0: the work will go on and you can silence the voices but you can't stop the song when the spirit moves in his hello be and done. welcome to oh god and men the show to end all shows <laughs> and the embarrassment of them all. <laughs> this is your host, Brom French. I'd like to say a howdy to my three, maybe four listeners. It is great, fantastic to have you with me. <laughs> if you want to reach me, you can reach me at bromfrench at mail.com, or you can reach me by telephone or preferably text 210-854-8029. So, Donald Trump has got himself in trouble this time. Actually, it's not Donald Trump that's got him in trouble. It is one of his voters, one of his fans asked a question and posed it in the framework of the president of the United States being Muslim and to which Donald Trump did not correct him. And Trump makes a very good observation and he says, "Uh, now I'm in trouble for what I didn't say since he's always in trouble for what he did. (laughs) So now he's in trouble for what he did not say. He did not correct the man who said that Obama was Muslim. And Ben Carson came out and uh, stuck his foot in his mouth. No, I don't think so. I think he uh, said what 99% of us uh, Americans feel. Ben Carson said, I would not feel comfortable. I'm paraphrasing here. He said, I would not feel comfortable having a Muslim as president. And to which the Muslim community was all in an uproar trying to get him to get out of the race. What a racist thing for you to say. (laughs) I must agree with Ben Carson. What he said was that Muslim values are not, they are not constitutional values, they are not Judeo Christian values, which this nation was set up under. What an amazing thing. And a great thing, Ben Carson did not back down. Donald Trump did not back down. So, another news, the Pope has come to the states. The Pope comes to the states, and our president, who never goes out of his way to meet somebody on tarmac, and as a matter of fact, no president really does this, but this president has gone out of his way to meet the Pope at the tarmac. And sh- <laughs> it makes me immediately think, wow, we really are seeing all religions come together because we now we've got the Catholic and we've got the Muslims that <laughs> they've come to. <laughs> all right, let me move on. So they have, he's gone. He's met him. Now, this is not your former Pope. If you're Catholic, you've got to admit this is not Pope John Paul II. This Pope is... Uh, well, he's communist. Let's let's just call it what it is. He's a socialist communist. He's a fascist, and um, you can say that Jesus was, and you don't know what you're talking about. I can take it to the scriptures and prove you otherwise. But they're saying that uh, you know that this pope is for homosexuality. He's not very strong against abortion. He uh, let's see what are some of the other, he's for the hoax that is global warming, and we can go on down the list. that guy's an idiot. And uh, which makes sense why the president of the United States, the current president of the United States, would go out of his way to meet him at the tarmac because they are brothers in arms and uh, they are fighting on the same side. Just in case you don't know, that is not the side of Jesus Christ. Because if you want to know what side Jesus Christ is on, yes, Jesus Christ cares for the poor, but Jesus is not caring that they are in poverty financially he's caring that they're in poverty spiritually that is the biggest deal to him go back through scripture and you find where they brought those that were sick to him and the first thing Jesus says to them over and over again he says your sins be forgiven you and they say to themselves, how can this man forgive sins? And then Jesus looks back and says, what is better, for me to forgive sins or for me to heal? Which is the greater? And then he says, rise up and walk. He heals them, but first he forgives sins because forgiving of sin, the spiritually poor are in more need than the physically poor. You know what that means to tell me? America is in more need than some of these third world nations. We are in more need of Jesus this day than maybe some of these places in Africa, maybe even some of the air places. What, how can you say that? Because we are in more spiritual need, which when you're in spiritual need, it's just a matter of time before physical need comes and poverty and not just spiritual poverty, but then physical poverty. It's coming. Let me take a break, and when I come back, we'll go through the Bible in a trillion years. Hold on just a second. Will someone shut that man up? Never! Never! Hi, I'm Brianna French, reporter, and here I am today at the Acme Lumber Company. Today we're going to be asking John Chuck um, about his new invention that I've heard about so much. Now, um, Mr. Chuck, yes. I think we've all been wondering for a while now, exactly how much wood would a woodchuck chuck, if a woodchuck could chuck wood? Well, a woodchuck would chuck, all the wood a woodchuck could chuck, if a woodchuck could chuck wood. Which would come out to be about 42 if it's in a vacuum. Well, there you have it. Come to Acne Lumber Company and get your wood chuck in a vacuum today. And we are back, and we're about to go to the Bible in a trillion years. Real quick, just before we do that, I do want to, I, I recognize that it sounded kind of like I was doom and gloom in the first part of this podcast. I did not mean it as doom and gloom. As a matter of fact, I believe our greatest days are yet ahead of us. But if you think your greatest days are getting rich, and you think your greatest days are America being the city set on the hill, you've are sadly mistaken. The greatest day is the church being the city set on the hill. That is the greatest day. So let's get to the Bible in a trillion years. We are in Genesis, Genesis 33. We're going to pick up at verse, chapter 33, verse number 15. And I think we're actually going to be able to finish the chapter, which is a huge deal. Genesis chapter 33, verse number 15. The Bible says this, And Esau said, let me now leave with thee some of the folk that are with me. And he said, what needeth it? Let me find grace in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way unto Sire. And Jacob journeyed to Shechem, or Succoth, or however you want to pronounce it, and built him an house and made booth for his cattle. Therefore, the name of that place is called Succoth. (laughs) And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padanab, and pitched his tent before the city. Boy, I need Eric to read this for me, don't I? And he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father, for an hundred pieces of money. And he erected there an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Interesting passage. so Esau has now left. They finally had the meeting. Everything is okay. Everything is kosher. Um, Brother is not going to kill him. They've got the 400 men and it all came in peace. And now Esau has left ahead of Jacob. Jacob says, let me spend some time and move slowly. And so Esau has now returned. He's gone back. Jacob journeyed To that unpronounceable place, Succoth, I guess, and built a house there. He builds a house. He made booths for his cattle. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. And Jacob came to Shalem, a city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from that other place, and there he builds a tent before the city. So he, we recognize, he's close to a city. He's building a tent there, and he's built a house. But verse 19 and verse number 20, where I really want to spend most of the time. And he bought a parcel of a field where he had spread his tent at the hand of the children of Hamor, Shechem's father. Shechem is going to come into the story. Hamor is going to come into the story again later on. These guys are not cool guys. These guys are jerks. We're gonna find out. Um, they are not men of integrity. And, uh, and so there's going to be an upheaval that is going to come about. And it will forever affect Jacob and his children. They will forever be affected by Shechem and his father. And they buy it for a hundred pieces of money. I'm just giving us uh, a clue what is going to come. It's going to be a devastating family affair that's going to happen. But verse number 20 is where I really want to spend the rest of the time. And he erected there an altar. And called it El Elohi Israel. He erects an altar. He builds an altar. If you haven't noticed yet, we are in chapter 33. We're about to go into chapter 34 of Genesis. But over and over and over again, we are seeing God's people build an altar. All the way back before Noah, we're seeing an altar is being built over and over. Abraham builds altars. Isaac builds altars. Jacob is building an altar. As a matter of fact, we see where God killed the first animal to clothe man. You can go back and find that. Where God killed the animal and took the skin of that and clothes, there's always got to be a sacrifice and there's got to be an altar. That is one of the fears that I have For our society now. We know how to have good church. We know how to sing. We know how to preach. We now have carpet. We've got padded pews. We have air condition. We have all the things that say this is church. We have all the lights and everything that says we can worship God. But there's one thing we dare not forget. We dare not forget the necessity of building an altar. And the altar that God would ask them to build you'll find later on. It can't be out of hewn rock. It's got to be a makeshift. It's got to be personalized. I think that's a good term for it. It's got to be a personalized altar. You can make it pretty. He's not looking for pretty. It's a place of sacrifice. And so Jacob, there where he is, he's bought land. This is where he's going to stay for a little while. And what's one of the first things he does? If this is where I'm staying, I'm going to build an altar. Wherever you are in your walk with God, if you're going to do anything for him, you've got to build an altar. If you're going to have authority, if you're going to have power, if you're going to be used, if you're going to be effective, and if you just want to walk with him. You've got to be willing to build an altar. And it really doesn't matter where you are. It's time, as a nation, we go back and build an altar. Thank you so much for listening. I have run out of time. We will talk to you later. Will someone shut that man up? Never! Never! Never.